Welcome to part two of our special episode regarding suicide awareness and prevention. In part one, we discuss some of the tools that are available in an effort to better equip us with recognizing and understanding signs of distress. According to the World Health Organization, almost one million people die of suicide every year, which is a global mortality rate of 10.7 per 100,000. In the United States, someone attempts suicide every 31 seconds. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in our country. Today, we're going to discuss how suicide touches our lives and what we can do to remain resilient when affected by suicide. Today, we welcome back, from our first episode, Vicki Farnsworth, our Oregon National Guard Suicide Prevention Coordinator, and for the first time in the studio, Specialist Amanda Nowacki, who is here to share her story on remaining resilient through the stresses of suicide. Vicki, let's start with you and some more data. All right, Chief. The suicide incident rate for the Army National Guard has increased from 22 per 100,000 in calendar year 14 to 35 per 100,000 in calendar year 18. That is a huge increase in what we have, state-specific even. Here in Oregon, we are not seeing those increases. We actually have seen a decrease in attempts and ideations that have been reported. Um, We have unfortunately averaged about one a year for the last two years, actual completed suicides. And prior to that, we had anywhere from two to four a year. So uh, can you tell us, since the the COVID pandemic, have there been an increase or decrease in any suicides or suicide ideations? We have actually had a decrease here in our state, at least of those that have been reported. Um, We have additional resiliency efforts taking place through service member and family support. Service member and family support has resources that can keep problematic situations from compiling for our service members and their families, such as our personal financial counselor, George Kitsinis, all the way to our military family readiness specialist staff who are located throughout the state, and they provide anything from financial help through outside organizations and collaborations to just assisting in resources that will help a family become more resilient through trainings. We have master resiliency training that soldiers are being sent to on a regular basis at the schoolhouse at Fort McCoy, Wisconsin, as well as our risk reduction and suicide prevention team lead was able to get the Wisconsin team from Fort McCoy to come out here to Camp Rylea, where we actually had our first ever MRT course here in the state of Oregon. It was widely successful, and he is continuing to work that program to benefit the entirety of the Oregon National Guard. That's great. So it looks like we're making some progress in the tools that are necessary to uh to equip our members with what they need, not only in uh, understanding and uh, recognizing those signs of distress like we talked about in the first episode, but no kidding, how we, how we remain resilient. So that's important, and we appreciate that. Thank you much. Um, Specialist Amanda Nowacki, you're here to tell a story in regards to how you and your family have had to overcome suicide and how it's affected your life. Can you share that story with us, please? Yes, Chief. So in October of 2016, we received a phone call that no family ever wants to receive. We received a phone call that night that my father-in-law had died by suicide. 
the emotions that come from that phone call are unexplainable. You're in shock. You are sad. You're angry. You have so many emotions happening all at once. And on top of that, we had to drive out and meet the police officers that night and take his car. The days that followed took us a long time to process those emotions. Both of us at that point did not understand suicide or mental health. We reached out to the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention, where I have a friend who is on the board for the state of Oregon. And she gave us all the resources we could use for our family to help us move forward through the suicide. We, uh, we did things such as walks, where we met with other people who had either attempted suicide or had been affected by the loss of a member of their family. We did what, a survivor's day where we got to meet with other people who had family who had died and their emotions, feeling their emotions and understanding that we weren't the only ones who had this, these same emotions that had happened. After that, we decided to take a more proactive role in suicide prevention, and we both signed up for ASSIST through the military. We took those courses and we took those skills and put them to use in our units. My husband is also in the military. He is a sergeant. And not long after we had done ASSIST and been through the suicide with his father, he reached out to a member of his unit who was having issues and had opened up the conversation about suicide with this member of his unit who admitted that he had a plan for suicide. My husband called, immediately called his commander and said, we need help. His commander and first sergeant did the right thing. They got immediately into their cars, went and met with the soldier, and they were able to create a plan to keep the soldier safe. We had another loss, unfortunately, last year when my husband lost a friend of his due to suicide. And it was also a military member. And again, I reached out to not only Angela, but I reached out to the family services. And I said, what, what do we need to do? How do we help these people process what is going on with their friend who has died? and what resources are available. And again, we were met with, here's what we can do to help. Who needs counseling? Where do we meet these, sol these other soldiers at who knew this soldier who died by suicide? How do we move forward? How do we help them grieve? How do we help them understand what happened? And through the process of it, I think that my husband and I have become stronger and understanding suicide and being able to open those conversations with people we know are struggling with mental illness and with suicidal ideations. We are able to be more sympathetic to them and we're able to not have a stigma that comes with suicide. And we're able to open it up and say, it's okay that you have these feelings. It's okay that you, that you want to do this. However, I want to know where I can help you. What can I do to listen to your story? Where can we go from here and move away from this situation and just talk for a minute? 
what other resources are available that I can give to you to help you move through this? And that's, that's where we come from as a family. Thank you so much. It's brave to share the story. Uh, it's important for all of us to hear this. Uh, there is, there's hope. Uh, let's go back just a little bit, if you don't mind. I want to transition back to when your father-in-law had committed suicide and he'd made that choice to commit suicide and how it affected you guys and your family most immediately. Obviously, you had to kind of reach into your tool bag of resiliency. Uh, You are a soldier. You're a a wife and a mother. And being a soldier, I think there are people that probably see you as tougher than your average citizen, which is a stigma that you have to somewhat overcome now because now you're tough. You can't show those tears, can't show those emotions because you're a soldier and you've been affected by something pretty darn traumatic. What did you do? What did you reach for? What was the best tool? What was the best advice that you could give someone that is affected like you were by suicide? What resiliency tool did you use to remain resilient? For us, for me, I am also one that as you say, doesn't always show my emotions. And so I had to allow myself that even if I had a moment in my unit or if I was working, to take a step back and be able to allow myself to have those emotions when I had them. I had to, I reached out to my unit and told them, here's what's going on. I had to be able to to openly say, I'm having a tough day. I need to be able to take a moment by myself or I need to be able to walk away and talk to somebody else. And I think that's important is that we don't isolate ourselves in an incident that happens like this, that we need to be able to open the conversation and say, I'm having a rough day. You know, whether it's suicide or whether you're you've had something happen at home that's been rough. You have a child who's going through something. You have a husband who's going through something. You have to be brave enough to say, I'm having a rough day. I need to take a step away from me. I need to fix myself before I can help somebody else. And that's where resiliency comes in is being able to say that and being able to being able to step up and say, I need a day off even. You know, I've had a really rough time or being able to understand someone that says that and say, I understand. I understand you're having a rough day. Let's see what we can do. Do you need do you need to talk to somebody? Can I talk to you? Can I just listen to you? Can I just sit here and hear your story? And those are the things that help with resiliency. And those are the things that helped me push through. That's great. So recognizing that it's OK to um to show some emotion, to exhibit some emotion was important to you. Vicki, let's talk about, um, we've talked about some of the tools. Let's talk about some of the other uh, agencies that we might be able to go to to, to help us with our, our resiliency efforts. We know that the chaplains are available. Can you tell us who else might be available to go to? Absolutely. Behavioral health, specifically Captain Khan, Captain Hopkins, and their team are phenomenal people. Um, Captain Khan and I talk on a regular basis about the needs of units when we actually do unit risk inventories and when we get those unit risk results. We want to be sure that we are providing units everything they need as they need it, not far down the line, not prior to or assuming that they need something they, they may not. 
Um, history does dictate a lot of what we do in our programs. However, the unit risk inventories really give us a roadmap on how to help these service members. Um, Captain Khan and I had a recent conversation about the stigma associated with suicide and why people choose not to seek assistance, not to seek that help. And obviously we know the military is a hard place to have emotion. The military is a hard place to be able to say, I need help. However, she has assured me that a behavioral health or mental health issue in the time that it is reported, it is treated as an injury, just like a broken ankle. You do what the doctors recommend by getting casted, having a surgery or something like that with a broken ankle. You must do these things to recuperate, to heal yourself. With mental health and behavioral health issues, she has said it's treated just as an injury. We're going to get counseling, maybe short-term medication. Yes, you won't deploy for a period of time, or you won't be potentially allowed to be on state orders for something, for a mission. But once the injury is healed, you're able to continue to do your job in the military, and it's not going to affect the rest of your career because an injury is an injury. And they look at it as a holistic approach. If a soldier is going to do what is recommended, you know, whether it was the cast for the broken leg or ankle or it's short-term medication to get through the difficult time that someone's facing, is important to understand that it is short-term. That is probably the most important point that we can make today is that, just like you said, it can be compared and should be compared to as any other injury, a physical injury. Uh, behavioral health is very important. And, uh, and making sure that we are healthy soldiers and airmen is the most important part. Uh, and, and thank you so much for bringing that up. And, and the way you articulated that was perfect. I think that's easy to understand. I think that should be uh, a point that we drive home often as supervisors and leaders that our soldiers and airmen understand that that is truly the case. So thank you very much. So suicide is, is devastating. And the effects of suicide on family members and loved ones of the person who has died by suicide can be severe and far-reaching. Those left behind by suicide are often known as suicide survivors. And while, while this is a very difficult position in which to find oneself, it's possible to heal and move forward. And so with that, we'll close the book on this episode of Get a Sign.